Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chimo, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. (laughs) Coming at you with podcast number 101. How you doing, brother, man? Good. I love I love the intro. I can't tell if it's gonna be like a high note, like you know you're gonna hit the falsetto or just a little creak. And uh, I love it, keeping me uh, keeping me on my toes. I'm good. I've been looking forward to this all day. And Jesus, we got a lot to talk about after uh, this another wild weekend in the NFL. But how how are you, good sir? It's good that you're off of the short term IR list. Uh, Sounded like the Theraflu and NyQuil, the the original green, you know, in the words of Dennis Leary, the green death flavor, kind of kind of got you back on the right track. How are you feeling? I'm feeling much better, man. I'm feeling much better. Last week I was down and out, but you guys, you and Burge crushed it. Y'all rode it home. And this week, Burge is actually under the weather, so we hope you get better, brother man. I hope you're at home resting up, getting better, and we'll hold down the fort for you. We got your picks and Parker's picks, so we'll lay it out for the people. Um, but in the meantime, hopefully you get better, Burge, and we'll see you next week. Um, it's kind of sad that I can't go through all my Belichick nicknames this week because I was holding back, you know? I was like, I-, I wanted to unleash the Bella Fraud, Bella Cheat, Bella, Bella Foon, Bella Moron, Bella Dumb, Bella Shit. I had so many of them ready to go, but unfortunately not here. So next week, I will unleash them on you. Man, it's going to be like a pinata. I feel like we need to do like a special event. Like invite yeah. people to hop on. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to that though, I, I I told you guys this, but I'm not even joking. That Nyquil and you mentioned it, it is insane, dude. It is so vicious. Like I remember, I took two pills, and I, and the next night I had to actually take one because it was that bad for the first night. I took two Nyquil, dude. I was out for like twelve hours straight, and then half the day next day I was groggy as hell as well. It was like an eighteen window, eighteen hour window of me just being all out of loops. Do you are you supposed to take two Nyquil? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it says take two. Oh, okay. I yeah. I didn't know. I clearly it's been a minute since I I've done Nyquil. Yeah. Um, I, I'm talking about like I do it like recreationally. Yeah, I went to the car. My Parker drank. I I I, <laughs> I I popped out a pill of Nyquil and went back to quoting. Um, but but yet no, dude, Nyquil that shit works. And like the, the, Dennis Leary does a great bit uh, about Nyquil. Definitely find it on YouTube off of his one of his early specials, No Cure for Cancer. That. That special is hilarious, but NyQuil, man, like back in the day, I don't know if they still do this. Like they used to put like a little bit of alcohol in there. Mm -hmm, So like, mm -hmm. you know, alcoholics would just drink the NyQuil. Mm -hmm. Like what, do you have a cold? No, I, uh, you know, are you drunk? No, I got a cold. I've had the same cold for the last five years, you know, no big deal, but yeah. Well, I see, I see why in the South, especially in like New Orleans and like Mississippi, um, they essentially take, you know, NyQuil or the equivalent, Robitussin, same sort of cough syrup medicine slash yeah. nighttime medicine, and they mix that with Sprite, and they call it purple drink. And, like, dudes in the hood actually sip on this, like, while they're going down the street on their bicycles, like, they're pretending like they're, like, gangsters or some shit. <laughs> Jesus. You know? I, I might try some of that tonight. Try some such purple a, drink. Such a gangster. <laughs> All right, so quick rundown of the podcast. Um, week 10 is here. We've got so much to cover. We'll talk about the AFC and how wide open that divi- uh, that conference is. Um, we'll hit on OBJ real quick. And then the Week 10 games themselves that we're going to preview. We've got the Cleveland Browns versus the New England Patriots. 
uh, the Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders, and then finally the Los Angeles Rams against the San Francisco 49ers, and obviously the best bets with the Puma as well, where he will try to help you win some cold, hard cash. Oh, so, yes. Without any further ado, let's talk about the AFC and how wide open it is. Looking at the standings right now for the AFC, obviously the number one seed would be the Tennessee Titans at 7-2, and two, the Baltimore Ravens at 6-2. and two, And then from there, it's basically five wins and three or five wins and four for about nine straight teams. The number three seed Chargers are five and three. The Bills are five and three. The Raiders are five and three. The Steelers are five and three at number six. At number seven, with the last playoff spot getting in, the Patriots are five and four. On the bubble right now, at uh, number eight, we got the Chiefs of five and four. The ninth seed is the Browns of five and four. The Bengals are five and four at the tenth seed. The Broncos are five and four at the eleventh seed. And then the Colts are four and five. But they're right there as well. I mean, you've got 12 teams out of 16 that are somewhat still in this hunt. And it is insane. I cannot remember the last time the AFC was this wide open. And truly, at the moment, because of how much the turnover there's at the top, I don't know what the best team is. For a while there, I thought it was the Chargers at the beginning of the year. Then we thought it was the Ravens. Then we thought it was the Bills. Now we think it's the Titans. I mean, we have no idea who's going to win this division. Right, dude, you hit the nail on the head. I can't recall in recent memory how wide open the AFC's been. I mean, you look at the NFC, it's pretty much a lock. Mm -hmm. Like, the the Cardinals are the class of that that conference right now. But, I mean, literally, like, any given Sunday at this point, we have saw that the last couple of weeks where Chris Berman uh, hit the nail on the head on Monday Night Football during his fastest three-minute segment where, and I quote, he said – if you were a, a team with like a division lead or you were a heavy favorite in betting terms as well too, you were essentially an endangered species. Like the Buffalo Bills should have absolutely steamrolled the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Josh Allen and that team laid an egg that nobody scored a touchdown. They lost six to nine. I I don't believe it was a scoregami situation, but you know, you look at that Bills offense and that defense is pretty complete. But, like, they, they had no semblance of a running game. Josh Allen was out of sorts. We saw Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime a couple of times during that game. Um, I, it's almost like they expected to just roll the footballs out there and just cruise to a victory. Um, it, 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 it's just – it was so, so bananas. And then everyone thought that the Tennessee Titans were going to start falling off a cliff. And I was on the podcast last week saying, you know, I think this we're, – one, we're going to find out what this Tennessee Titans team is made of. And two – um, I believe I hinted essentially at the fact that their season might be down the toilet without Derrick Henry because we all saw mm-hmm. that that offense went through Derrick Henry and they just, you know, they handled their business on the road against the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And this is going to be must-see TV going down the stretch. And who would have thought, like, two weeks ago, the Cincinnati Bengals, we were all out, out mm-hmm. here basically saying they're a top three team. And they're on the bottom of the division right now with the Browns. They're on the outside looking in, and they need to get their act together because they've reverted back to the Cincinnati Bengals of old and the Cincinnati Bengals that everyone thought going into the season we were going to see from the jump. Mm -hmm. Like, if I had to call it, I think the Colts and the Broncos can be eliminated. Obviously, that could blow up in my face and we come in here in two weeks and the Broncos could win three games in a row. But right now, I think the 11 and 12 seeds, the Broncos are 5 and 4 at the 11th seed and the 12th seed, the Colts are 4 and 5. I think those guys aren't legit. And then moving on up from there, I really have no idea, Puma. Like, I can't even venture a guess right now. If I had to guess and I'm picking with my heart, 
maybe the Chargers, but I mean, who the hell knows? Those guys are up and down on a weekly basis. Um, the Titans themselves, like you, like you eloquated, you know, we all thought for them it was basically over because Derrick Henry was going to be out. But they went out to the the Rams and against on the Rams on Sunday Night Football, and they punched them in the mouth. They had a great game. The Baltimore Ravens themselves, they were down quite a bit to the Minnesota Vikings this past week. Uh, but they also decided to come back and put their name back into the uh, the ring for the best team in the AFC. So I really have no idea, man. I, I, I'm excited to see how the next four or five weeks are going to pan out. Oh, especially. I mean, we're going to get to in the game preview. This is a huge playoff potential matchup for seeding between mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns and the mm-hmm. New England Patriots. So like, but we're, we'll get to that in the game preview, but I mean, wild weekend. And I mean, Jay, I got to hit on this real quick. That's not even talking about the referees in some of these oh, games. Oh, like, God. you know, oh, you, you can look at the games, uh, like the Sunday night football game, the, the, the Aaron Donald, um, roughing the passer penalty that, I, I don't know on what planet that's roughing the passer, but whatever, it is what it is. I've become accustomed to referees butting their nose in businesses. Mm-hmm. If you go back on the podcast, Jay, you're in the same boat as me. We don't want to put a lot of onus and like whether or not a team wins or loses because of the referees, because mm-hmm. I believe I'm speaking for the two of us. Yeah. If you made plays, you wouldn't have put yourself in this position. Sure. But then you look at Monday Night Football last night. Those refs have ran the game. <laughs> those referees now granted full disclosure like i will give you this the chicago bears with you know 15 penalties for almost 130 yards or something like that almost half of those were neutral zone infractions or offsides that is on the chicago bears but specifically the the couple of calls that weren't called the roughing the passer on justin fields on the i think it was like maybe the third drive where they might have gotten it i think they were in the red zone at that point and then I mean, he just got blown up where the drive prior, geriatric Ben gets a little shove from, I believe, his own offensive lineman got pushed into him. Roughing the passer, 15 yards of free real estate, and I believe they ended up scoring a touchdown. But Justin Fields doesn't get that call. All right, fine. Again, we've seen referees do this. Whatever. The low block for one of the linemen that didn't even make contact with somebody, I didn't even hear about that rule until last night. But the blatant one that stood out to me was the taunting call the the taunting call is an absolute joke Mm -hmm. and i get it like if it's one thing if a player lights somebody up and stands over him starts talking shit while they're injured okay i'm with that i understand it you get you get into somebody's face it's stupid but okay i understand it this guy i don't even remember his name because he just got called up for the practice squad the the referee i I don't remember the player definitely cassius Cassius marsh is that his name cassius marsh yeah he got called up from the practice squad. Mm-hmm. He makes a huge play mm-hmm. to stop a drive, push them back. Uh, Pittsburgh's got a punt. Justin Fields would have had good real estate. He makes a play. He just walks five steps towards the Steelers' sideline. Doesn't make eye contact with anybody. Doesn't say anything to anybody. And Carenti, the referee, decides to make it about himself and throws the flag. Free real estate. The Steelers end up going, uh, I believe they ended up punting anyways. They got bailed out. But that's a crucial call that that potentially decided the game. And I'm going to say this from a sports betting perspective. And I'm not just saying for this for me because I had money in this game. The Chicago Bears covered, thank God. But if you look at it this way, the NFL has gotten in bed with Caesar Sportsbook, DraftKings, and FanDuel. Roger Goodell needs to do one of two things. They need to either call off the dogs on this 
bullshit nonsensical taunting call or they or or they need to really sit down with the referees and be like it unless it is somebody about to get into a fist fight like you swallow that whistle and you hold the flag on this taunting nonsense because we can all agree that there's no way Roger Goodell is going to let the referees decide his Super Bowl and urinate on the product on a taunting call. So if you're not going to do that in the Super Bowl, and I'm already looking ahead, why should you do that in the regular season with playoff seating on the line and, and whatnot, especially how tight the AFC North race is? And from a sports betting community at these sports books, you want to know that these games are going to be called above board because I can. you can look on Twitter. A lot of people were thinking, did the referees have the Pittsburgh Steelers minus <laughs> yeah. seven? And that's yeah. not even me being, you know, they had money hyperbolic. On it. They had money like, on it. I believe it. You know, like, is this a bunch of Tim Donaghy's out here? Like, what is going on? They need to address this issue. Well, listen, first things first, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you think this taunting penalty rule is going to go away next year like the pass interference rule did. Remember how they had that one-year yes. period where they're trying to figure it out? Do you think next year the NFL comes to a census and they walk, and they walk away from it? Yeah, because they don't have the stones to do it midseason and because mm-hmm. they would have to blatantly admit in the middle of the year that they fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, this will go by the wayside, and John Merrick can go cry while he's kicking a trash can about how they got rid of his, his stupid-ass taunting rule. But, yeah, like at the end of the year, this is going to ride off in the sunset because the pushback on all this is just – it's an avalanche at this point. Yeah. Well, listen, by the letter of the law, what Cassius Marsh did last night – was taunting, right? Because when he this is the, the the events that happen, right? So he makes this big play on Big Ben and he gets up and he does his patented like Mortal Kombat kick, right? And then his his buddies come over, they start hugging it out. I mean this went on for 30 seconds between him celebrating and like you know the other Chicago Bears defenders celebrating with him. And then the other Chicago Bears started walking away to their sideline while Cassius Morris decided to go to the sideline of the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of stare him down, right? So I guess by the letter of the law, I see why the ref called taunting there. But come on, man. Like, what are we talking about here when you're going to be that ticky-tack about trying to control the emotion of the game? Like, to its core, football is, I'm going to get in your face, I'm going to push you around, I'm going to impose my will on you. And it seems like the NFL is doing their best to try to negate that out of the game, which makes no sense to me. No, it makes no sense. And it's like, that's why people, I'm not saying people watch the game to see, you know, Marsh do a, a spinning wheel kick like he was fighting in the octagon on Saturday night in Vegas. But like, people, it's it's an emotional sport. Whether or not, like, these 32 owners agree with it or not, the fact of the matter is, is this is an emotional sport. It's a contact sport. At any time, like, I'm going to go there with this comment. Like, at any time, you could be Ryan Shazier and you would mm-hmm. never be able to walk again or, or you know, using a wheelchair, whatever. So you got to enjoy it while you can because you don't know if you're going to be able to walk off an injury or whatnot or end up in a hospital of some sort. So, yeah, I want you to show emotion. If mm-hmm. if if if, Cash, if Cassius or Marcius Marsh or whatever, I think, that it, like, they tried to name him after Muhammad Ali before he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. That's why I keep mixing it up. But, like, if he laid out Ben Roethlisberger and just stood over geriatric mm-hmm. Ben while Ben is writhing in pain, yeah, throw the flag 15 mm-hmm. times over. Yeah. I'm with you on that. But you make the play – 
you walk five steps, you're looking at the bench, and I, if I recall correctly, he was on the Steelers practice squad at one point yeah. this year. Yeah. So yeah, I don't understand that. Like he didn't, he didn't start John. He didn't, he didn't say anything. All he did was look, like essentially look and walk five steps, and then he walked it back. And by the way, Carenti may or may not have threw his ass out in front of the guy yeah. to try to hip what check What was that? Him. Why did so, Carenti try to hip check March? What was that all about? You know what it, you know what it is, man? <laughs> this is Carenti trying to put himself on the center stage because the referees mm. obviously didn't have enough issues throughout the game. And you know it's pretty bad when John Perry, who in my opinion is the biggest shill for the NFL offici- uh, officials when they call Monday Night Football, uh, you know it's pretty bad when John Perry is starting to take you to the woodshed as a refereeing crew. Yeah, listen, I, I'm the guy that never complains about bad calls or refereeing or Same. officiating because I believe. Like, listen if you're back good, to the previous pods; you'll understand. If you're good enough, you will beat. You will be victorious on that Sunday, right? And, and it should never come down to one officiating call or one call here from the official to destroy your whole game. So for me, you know, I hate bitching about it, but even me, I was at my wit's end last night because it really robbed. You know, a really good Chicago Bears effort and a really good effort by my boy Justin Fields. And obviously, maybe I'm biased here, but it cut me even deeper just because I wanted Justin Fields to get that signature win. He, he seemed to be coming to his own last night. The fourth quarter rolled around. He was looking hot. He made some big throws and all that was negated by some bullshit calls. And, and the NFL's got to fix it, man. I, I don't know how they're going to. That's the crazy part is unless they go ahead and totally renege on it and say this offseason that they, they messed up and they're going to go ahead and cancel the whole rule. But I just don't know, man. They got to revise. They got to do something. They got to fix this rule as soon as possible. Yep. Um. All right. Let's talk about some Odell Beckham Jr. news. Oh, God. Free OBJ, Jay. <laughs> Free OBJ. So because if you he's guys been oppressed, he's I know, been oppressed right? on the Cleveland yeah. Browns. I know. Seriously, right? But listen, if you guys haven't kept up with this saga, as of 4 p.m. today, he cleared the waiver wire, and now nobody put a claim in for him, so he's a free agent. He has the liberty to choose any team he wants, and if they want him in return, they can sign a contract and he become a member of that team. Uh, before the uh, before the, the, the 4 o'clock deadline came around, Jordan Schultz, uh, looks like a verified reporter, said that the Green Bay Packers and Odell Beckham Jr. have some sort of mutual interest. Um, and then another update came from the same Jordan Schultz who said, uh, update on the Odell Beckham Jr. situation, OBJ's team has also had conversation with the Pats, Chiefs, and Saints. So it looks like there seems to be a little bit of a market for Odell Beckham Jr. And if I had to ask you right now, Puma, where do you think OBJ lands as his, uh, as his next uh, employer? I mean, we talked about this offline. I don't really see the infatuation with Odell mm-hmm. on the Pats. Like, He's already, he's already a diva. I'm going to say that word a lot in this segment. He's a diva. He's a bona fide diva at this point. We, he is what he is at this point. Um, from a player development and locker room cohesion standpoint, I don't see it as a benefit for Mac Jones's development oh, if he's so going to feel the pressure to just force feed the ball to Odell. I mean, I'm not saying Mac Jones himself, like some of the play calling has been shoddy. You and you and Burge could speak to that a little bit more, but like, it's been kind of an adventure trying to get the ball to skill position people, especially down the field. And it is a timing and rhythm based offense. Look at that. Similar to what Cleveland runs with the, with, with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. So if he's already bitching about not getting the ball and not getting the looks that he wants from Baker 
and and the offensive coaching staff in Cleveland, why is that going to be any different for the New England Patriots? So to me, the Pats are out. Um, same thing with the Saints. Let me, let, me, let me elaborate on that real quick, and I want to give some stats because I think you know this is important. You're, you're spot on right with Mac Jones and OBJ because I feel like OBJ in the locker room would eat Mac Jones alive. Like I, I think it would be so bad for his development as a quarterback in the NFL. And what OBJ needs is obviously a, a strong, you know, willed quarterback, like whether it's an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or whoever it is. And, you know, for Mac Jones's game and what the Patriots do, he would not be happy one bit in New England. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the Patriots run the ball really well. They spread the ball all over the spot, especially through their tight ends. And Mac <coughs> Jones and Mac Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. would just not produce in that offense. With Mac Jones' stats himself and who he is, obviously, you know, we all know he can complete the ball between one and nine yards because his completion percentage is 74%. But as you start pushing the ball downfield, when it's 10 to 19 yards downfield, his percentage drops like 58. And then if you ask him to push it further downfield past 20, it's like one of the worst in the league and he's down to 28%. So for who Odell is and what he's trying to do, because he's trying to, uh, uh, what he's trying to do over the next, uh, you know, seven weeks is accumulate numbers, show he can still play, and sign a big contract somewhere. And he's not going to be able to do that in New England. Nope, nope, not at all. That's why you know we're in the same boat. New England's out. The same, same deal. Maybe if Jameis Winston was there, because he can push the ball down the field, it would make sense. I don't think it's going to happen with Trevor Simeon and uh, and you know, Tim Tebow one point two and and Taysom Hill down there. Um, logic to me is either Green Bay or mm-hmm. Seattle. And I know like Seattle's been kind of rumblings about, oh, maybe we'll put a waiver claim in there. Um, but I, I think it's really going to come down to those two. Mahomes and the Chiefs for the headlines, okay, cool. But if you're looking at the body of work, he's not going to fix the defensive issues mm-hmm. and he's yeah. not going to fix the you know shortcomings of Patrick Mahomes right now because he can really not string a couple of completions together. So, Green Bay or Seattle. So, it's going to be like two divas in Green Bay. It'll be like Donna Summer and the Supremes with those two divas in the locker room. Or you'll get the diva and the phony and Russell Wilson at that point. That's, that's, that's what I think it is. Man, honestly. you really hate Russell Wilson, huh? Do, you know what it is? It, to me, he's such a ginormous phony. And I say that, and my eyes kind of became open to that <laughs> on Sunday Night Football when they played the Steelers when – He's out there, and he's calling fake plays to, like, ghost runners on second that took a break from, from softball and Freddie Soliotis' softball league. Like, these guys came over, like, yo, Freddie, peace out. I'm going to go run a slant route to, to Russell Wilson, even though I'm not going to catch it because I'm fucking invisible. But, yeah, like, we're going to do the fake plays, and we're going to do all this nonsense, and I'm going to be chewing gum harder than Pete Carroll, and I'm inactive, but I'm going to go out there for the coin toss. And then he does the same thing the following week. And then yesterday he does, like, a Hollywood movie-esque release of, like, you would have thought <laughs> – he almost lost his arm, like holding yeah. a hand grenade. Yeah. Like not even Dak Prescott was that bad on Hard Knocks, and I the know. guy almost—he fractured his ankle. It was the bone was sticking <laughs> through his skin. He I had know you two love pins that. and a finger. <laughs> you freaking phony! Like oh, it hurts. It physically hurts. I don't. I the second I saw that Russell Wilson video. Oh, punching air ain't the I was word. Like, I was like, Puma's going to love this. So I said, send it to you. And, and you're spot on right. This thing was like a 90-second 
owed to like Hollywood photography. It was beautiful. Like the transitions, you know, he thought he was probably going through some extreme shit the way they filmed him. And you would have thought that he had like a broken ankle, like I said in the Twitter chat. Jesus. Not, not even Doc, Doc Prescott's compound fracture got this much, you know, love through his uh, video team. So I, I had a great time when I saw that and I knew that would be hilarious for you. Oh. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. So, yeah, the phony yeah. or the diva. That's yeah. where it's going to come down well, to. Well, I'm, I'm personally hoping for the second biggest diva in Odell Beckham Jr. joining the biggest diva in sports in Aaron Rodgers because I'm all about the storylines. I just want to see shit get blown up because I know in four weeks there's going to be a nuclear meltdown in Green Bay. And I want to talk about it. That's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for yep. storylines, baby. <laughs> yep. It's, it's great for the pod. It's great for it. And, you know, we're, we'll get to the Green Bay freaking fiasco in a game preview too. But, yeah, if I was a betting man, yeah, Green Bay or, or Seattle. But I think Green Bay is probably the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be real for a second, I think it would serve two purposes for Green Bay. You know, essentially, it would be another, you know, move that they made with in mind of trying to keep Aaron Rodgers for the long term. Um, we all saw what Jordan Love put on the field on Sunday night, and that, that was not good. And obviously, it's his first start. However, he's still at 18 months in that system, and we didn't expect him to look that out of sync and, and that, that bad. So, I think Green Bay maybe realizes they need to keep Aaron Rodgers now, and bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. could help in that endeavor for the long term. Right. Right. All right. Let's move on to some Week 10 game previews. Oh, boy. Let's, let's talk about the 5-4 and four Cleveland Browns against the 5-4 and four New England Patriots. And we talked earlier about how everybody is so close in that conference that these are almost division-like games now because whoever wins this not only has the win, but the tiebreaker, which is essentially two, um, two, two wins against that opponent. So, Puma, right off the bat, give me your initial thoughts on who wins this game. Man, looking at this, I mean, it's the the over under is forty five and a half. I, I lean towards like a low scoring game. Um, jeez, I'm, I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Browns, and the only reason why I say that is, and I said it last last episode, and I said it in previous pods. We all said it to some extent. This Cleveland Browns offense runs better when Odell Beckham Jr. is not on mm-hmm. the field, and we saw that in the absolute dismantling of the Cincinnati Bengals last week uh, against the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns took them to the woodshed, and it wasn't just on offense where Baker Mayfield threw for two touchdowns. Uh, He had a great deep ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones, but they won on defense too. Uh, You know, Ward, he got a pick six. I I think we could possibly see something like that because, you know, Jay, you're probably going to hit on this more uh, when you talk about this game. Mac Jones did throw like an interception or two, uh, I believe, uh, in in this game uh, against the Carolina Panthers last week. So I think this is a ball hawking defense. They're going to keep it close. The Cleveland Browns, they may be without uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, he is vaccinated from all reports. So, like, if he gets back-to-back uh, negative COVID tests within 24 hours, he may be eligible to play on Sunday. For the sake of discussion, I'm going to assume Nick Chubb is not going to be playing. We yeah. saw what DeErnest Johnson looked like, you know, in a spot start against a pretty decent defense in the, in the Denver Broncos. Um, so I don't think it takes that big of a hit on the offensive side of the football 
Uh, and I really like what Donovan Peoples-Jones has shown in his opportunities to shine this year. And I think it's going to be a scorched earth approach by Baker Mayfield being like, oh, okay, everyone's talking about free OBJ. Well, what about me, mf Like, I'm going to be out here balling. I'm going to have this team, you know, claw back into the playoff race. Uh, right now, depending on what sports book you're looking at, the, the spread has been fluctuating between New England as a one and a one and a half point favorite to Cleveland being a one and a one and a half point favorite. If you bet it now, Cleveland is a one and a half point underdog on the road in New England. Um, I'm expecting a quasi low scoring game just because we're starting to get into wintertime in New England. But mm-hmm. I do like Cleveland to squeak out a win in this game. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm going to lean towards Cleveland as well right now. Just because there's, you know, to be real with you, 100%, the Patriots, they're getting better. Um, you know, from where we were week one with the Patriots, they've come miles. I mean, they've gotten so much better on defense. I mean, they're looking to become very good on defense with Christian Barmore anchoring that uh, that de- defensive line. You've got, you know, Hightower making some plays. You've got Julian, obviously, and obviously Jason Jackson, JC Jackson in the backfield uh, and uh, playing cornerback for the Patriots. They're doing, he's doing a great job as well. You know, so that defense is coming along. And on top of that, you know, certain parts of the offensive line have also fixed themselves as well. You know, they're providing good protection. The running game is going now because the offensive line is playing better. And now Hunter Henry and the tight ends are starting to emerge as well. So I'm, I'm liking a lot of what I see. My only concern right now is Mac Jones. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, New England, I've been listening to sports radio the last couple of days in New England to try to get a feel for how they view Mac Jones. But... You know, we're starting to see two games now where he's starting to become a little stale. Um, you know, he's starting to become a little rattled. Um, his accuracy, which is one thing you can always hold your hat on, <coughs> has been wildly all over the sp- all over the place. He's been missing, you know, wide receivers left, right, you know, high, low, all that. So I am concerned about Mac Jones, and that's my only reservation why I'll take the Cleveland Browns over the Patriots right now is because I like Baker Mayfield better right now than Mac Jones. But going forward, we do got to keep an eye on Mac Jones and what he's doing. Um, his numbers on 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 Sunday were, were borderline abysmal. I mean, 12 of 18, 139 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and a fumble. Um, the week prior, you know, against the, the Chargers, he also was pretty abysmal besides one big throw. And for me, the bigger conversation about Mac Jones comes down to I just I just don't see any improvement, man. Like, you know, and this, you know, I, I certainly don't have the most rosiest of feelings for for Mac Jones, and I'll be very upfront about that. But from week one to right now, I've seen no progress whatsoever. He is exactly who he thought he was in the pre-draft process with him being the most pro-ready, getting an offense in sync, you know, moving the ball at three yards a clip. But I haven't seen any progression at all whatsoever. And I've seen it out of Justin Fields last night, who seems to be coming along fairly well. I've seen it out of Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, he's buried on a really bad team and a bad roster and a complete idiot of a head coach. But even he has shown incremental increases in his uh, in his game. And for right now, for who Mac Jones is, I am a little bit on the concerned side. So that's why I'm taking uh, the Browns, um, probably in the realm of a 24, let's say 17 final score gotcha I mean, and let me, go ahead i was just gonna say real quick ramonde stevenson looked decent so mm-hmm. maybe like he'll get the football a little bit more in the run game well we'll, well the running backs have come alive because the offensive line has stabilized right because yep. in the beginning of the year the offensive line was a mess and we thought as the offensive line would get better 
as the tight end started to emerge, because Hunter Henry is emerging now, as the running backs start, you know, essentially gaining some some foothold here, we thought Mac would elevate with that as well. But it seems to be the opposite. You feel me? And, and that's mm-hmm. the most concerning for me as a Patriots fan. And the one thing to keep an eye on here is Ron, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris both kind of got a little banged up. Um, so we'll have to see what their availability is as the week goes on. Um, but for me at the moment, I think the Browns are probably an easy an easy win here. And, and you know, I'm at the point now where I kind of want to believe in this Patriots team. And for me, the next three weeks are going to be key. How they play against the Browns today, against obviously the Falcons. I have been winning that because the Falcons are the Falcons. And then in uh, three weeks from now, you've got the Titans. I want to see how the Patriots perform against this Browns team and that Titans team. And at the end of those three weeks from now against the Titans, I'll have a very clear stance on who this Patriots team is going forward. Mm-hmm. You know? And let me let me ask you though: Have you seen much of Matt Jones? Have you seen anything? Am I being a, a hater here, as Burge would call it? Because you know, I, I get my initial bias against uh, Mac Jones, and I don't want to, you know, I want to give the the podcast listeners another view as well. That's what we that's what we do around here. We we're all about journalistic integrity. So I want to ask you, Puma, what's your thoughts on Mac Jones as a passer? I mean, right now, like you said, Jay, this is kind of, you know, it is, this is what we were billed, and by we, I mean New England fans, because I really don't care, Uh, but. um, (laughs) I like it. I like the honesty. Thank you so much. (laughs) But, I mean, this is what everyone, everyone lauded the the kid about was, oh, he's the most pro ready. He's played in a pro style offense in Alabama. He's tight with Nick Saban. And, I mean, everyone thought that San Francisco may or may not have traded all those draft picks to go up to get him. And, you know, looking at what Kyle Shanahan has done as, you know, some of his coaching decisions the last couple of games, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, and as much as people wanted to bury Justin Fields, like like you said, Jay, we saw it last night. The kid, he had a rough start in the first half of the game. But as the game started to go on and Matt Nagy finally had to admit we need to use the strengths of Justin Fields, and that's moving the pocket immediately. Like if he doesn't see the reads, like just just run, like just get something going, keep the chains moving kind of deal. We saw Justin Fields start seeing the zones a little bit more clearly. They started getting Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham going up the seam, and he had a great connection with the tight ends doing that, got them into the red zone. Those were big boy plays and big boy drives to possibly win the game. So I'm seeing enough out of Justin Fields right now that if he can overcome Matt Nagy and God willing, the Chicago bears finally cut bait on this buffoon, uh, the the bears are going to be in good hands. And let's be honest, they're probably going to have a franchise quarterback for the first time since Jim McMahon in the Mm eighties with Mac Jones. I just, again, like he's the, He's the safe pick, air quote, the safe pick, like the, the quick underneath throws, the high completion percentage, what the New England Patriots want to do as an offense. But you're going to have to push the ball downfield at some point. You can't just dink and dunk your way, Alex Smith, you know, death by a thousand razor plates. You're going to be playing from behind from times. Your defense may not have its A game that day, and you're going to have to throw the team back in the game. Right now, I just don't see Mac Jones being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the guys on Boston Radio put it put it very well today. Uh, you you know obviously you know Mike Felga as we call him, um, but he said last night you know last night's fourth quarter for Justin Fields was way better than any quarter Mac Jones had so far, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. You know, yep. you know he Justin Fields ended up with like 120 yards in one quarter and uh, you know a touchdown, and he looked really good. He took command of the offense, and 
so far, I've seen nothing special out of Mac Jones, and I hate it. I hate the fact that, you know, we see all these young stud quarterbacks around the league, and I know how I felt eight, nine, ten weeks in with Kyler Murray. I know how I felt eight, nine, ten weeks in with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert last year. And I just don't feel any of that with this guy. And a lot of times, you can tell early on what a quarterback is going to be in the, in the NFL. There's very rare cases that three, four years down the road, you become a good quarterback. And the only two cases that I can point out over the last 10 years is Alex Smith in year three or year four, and then Josh Allen in year three last year being really good. So at the moment, I'm really, really disappointed in what I've seen out of Mac Jones so far. Sure, he's fine. You know, he's the middle of the pack, safe pick right now, and he's just doing the bare minimum. But I wish I would have seen some more improvement. And hopefully as the second half of the season comes around, we can see some more out of Mac Jones. Hell, we might see it this week because Baker Mayfield ain't playing around. Like, mm-hmm. he might throw it for, like, 250 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, you might get yourself in a hole if Mac Jones ain't safe with the ball and puts it on the ground a couple of times. He might be playing from behind. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to find what... out a lot about Mac Jones this week, especially with Miles Garrett breathing down his neck, too. So, Well, and the one thing that I've noticed, and Stephon Gilmore did a good job of this, Stephon Gilmore last week picked off Mac Jones because – he knew what Mac Jones' tendencies were. And the league is starting to catch up. The Chargers did this a little bit where they took away Jacoby Myers, his first safe pick, and they made Mm -hmm. him go through that second and third progression. And he seems to completely freak out when that happens. The second you ask him to go through a second and third progression, he really, really has this hard time finding an open receiver and then driving the ball late. Usually with your first receiver, the ball can be thrown with anticipation and time. When it comes to second, third receivers, you've got to put more oomph into it because at that point, the defense has time to recover a little bit while you're running through your progression. So that's something to keep an eye on. And especially with what Denzel Ward did with the Browns against oh, Joe Burrow, how quick that them. how quick that offense is, how much heat Miles Garrett is going to put on Mac Jones and, and essentially speed up his internal clock. I think if he's not careful, we could be looking at another couple turnovers again because, uh, you know, at the, at the moment, he's, he's having an issue with ball security as well. So so I'm, I'm hoping, man, uh, you know, I, I really wish Mac Jones would show us something that we can be excited about, but at, at the moment, I just don't see it. Right, and for Parker's picks, mm-hmm. what did we get? He did he he picked the Pats, right? Sharp Parker? Correct. Both, both Parker and Burge, the father of Parker, um, both surprisingly picked the Patriots. Shocker. Ooh. Yeah, hashtag shocker. Shock. Right. Color a shock. All right. Let's move on to the three and five Seattle Seahawks taking on the seven and two Green Bay Packers. The Packers, as you all know, are coming off of a loss to the Chiefs, um, where Jordan Love threw up all over himself, and the Chiefs didn't look any better. And then the Seattle Seahawks are coming off of a bye, and the main storyline out of that is Russell Wilson is finally going to be coming back and playing quarterback for them. Uh, your favorite player in the NFL. So, find some <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of storylines in this game, a lot of intriguing things. Will Rodgers play? How much will Russell? How good will Russell Wilson look? Will OBJ be one on one of these teams? So, with all that being said, Puma, who do you think is winning this game? Well, I can't pick from both to lose. I mean, you got the phony. And Russell Wilson, and then you got the best in the nation in Jamal Adams <laughs> in the secondary, who I believe, if I recall correctly, was ranked uh, 68th out of 72, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, at his position against the diva incarnate, 
the NFL version of Donna Summers, Aaron Rodgers, who, if you have been living under a rock, has been in a bit of hot water. Last week, he tested positive for COVID uh, because he's unvaccinated. He had to miss uh, he had to miss last week's game. He's out for ten days, quarantine period. Went on the Pat McAfee show, sounded like an absolute kook, uh, and then tried to walk it back a little bit today. And I still, I don't even think it really helped his cause, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just call it for what it is. Aaron Rodgers got caught in a lie. He didn't want to take the heat like Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins did because they're unvaccinated. So he came up with some freaking legal ease version of uh, I'm immunized. And he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And, he, you know, he doesn't like being criticized, period. And now when you have everyone doing the pile on about vaccines versus non-vaccines, it is what it is. We'll get to that in a bit. Getting back to the game, uh, me personally, I'm not expecting Aaron Rodgers to play for what for two things. One, I don't know if LaFleur is going to let him play if he doesn't get a practice in. We don't know what his body's going to be feeling like coming off of COVID. We can all agree Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a practice to play. But when mm-hmm. you factor in COVID, it's a respiratory illness. We don't know how he's going to be feeling and, and whatnot. I don't know if he's going to even be able to really work out at home to kind of keep up and stay, not stay like stay in shape. He's going to be looking like Fat Albert on Sunday. But you know what I mean? Like endurance-wise and whatnot. Yeah. And I think this might be a, t- a two-prong approach. He, they want to get Jordan Love in front of the home crowd. And the NFL didn't come out and suspend Aaron Rodgers to take draft picks away. They fined the Green Bay Packers $300,000. Alan Lazard and and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers got fined $14,650 for breaking COVID protocols. But I think, and we talked about this offline, Jay, the Matt LaFleur regime is going to want to prove a point with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is going to be leaving next year. It is fate accompli. He is not coming back. Why not just sit him down and prove a point to this locker room that you're mm-hmm. not bigger than the goddamn team. You cost us this. We're fighting for a number one seed that's crucial nowadays with this set with the extra game and the playoffs and whatnot. Have home field. Have everybody in these warm weather teams that are in the playoff hunt come to Lambeau in January. And, you know, you kind of laissez-faire about the COVID protocols. Yeah, I would I would be proving a point if I'm Matt LaFleur and sitting them down. The spread is Seattle is three and a half point dogs going on the road in Green Bay. The over-under is 49. Who knows what Russell Wilson's finger is going to be feeling like. I'm, I'm taking Green Bay to win outright. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if Seattle found a way to cover the three and a half. Yeah. And that's assuming Jordan Love is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Dude, what a piece of shit Aaron Rodgers is, huh? I mean, we, we've, we've always said this, that he was a self-seeking, you know, me first kind of guy. And he was a lousy leader. But now, like, all of America has seen it with how badly those interviews have come off on the Pat McAfee show. So, I think, Puma, you have some merit in the thought process that maybe the Packers, a proud cornerstone organization that had Lombardi, that had Starr, that had, obviously, you know, Brett Favre, and so much rich heritage, and you're being held hostage by Aaron fucking Rodgers? Like, really? I, I would actually applaud the Green Bay Packers for sending him down and sending him a message, like you said. And I think it's imperative to figure out what Jordan Love is because obviously we all saw him play against the Chiefs against uh, last Sunday. And he looked, to be real with you, he looked pretty bad. Like, I, I didn't expect him to look that out of sync. You know, it's not, it's not like this is his first, you know, start as a rookie. This is 18 months into learning an offense, and he looks so out of sorts. So 
I think maybe you got to give him one more week, try to figure out who he really is. Because if he's not the guy, if Jordan Love isn't the guy, then you're in a world of shitstorm. Because now you got Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving at the end of the year, and Jordan Love isn't ready. So that that's the Packers side of things. On the other side, how's Russell Wilson going to look? You know, he's coming off of that injury where he had a surgery done on his on his uh, index finger, and you know, obviously. He put out a video that made it seem Thank like God he... he survived the war. <laughs> Thank God he survived the war, Jay. Well, going off, going off the video, I thought maybe he lost his finger. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I don't know how he's going to be able to throw with only four fingers. But, you know, I think he'll manage. Mr. Unlimited <laughs> mentally regrew his finger. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to see what the... The game plan is for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Obviously, Pete Carroll is a run-first guy. Um, but are they going to lean on the running attack even more now with Russell Wilson? You know, obviously, he's come off an injury. Is he 100%? Are you going to ease him back into it? So I want to see what the game plan is. But, you know, if I had to guess right now, I think the Packers win this game. And it's unfortunate because I think the Seattle Seahawks need this game way more. Because for them, it's getting late early. We're 3-5. We're and five, That's what their record is. Halfway through the season, if they don't start stacking these wins now, it's going to become late very early for those guys. And on the uh, and before I let you go, Puma, it looks like Burge himself has the Seahawks winning. And then Parker's picks, uh, he also has the Seahawks winning as well. Yeah. And for the, the Jordan Love bit, like... Yeah, he had a he had a bad day at the office, and yeah, you can look at the receipts. I, I love the the Jordan Love pick, mm-hmm. uh, but again, he had full disclosure. He had a, he had a bad day at the office, but yeah. he basically put up the same stat line as Patrick yeah. Mahomes. He did, so, right. like, you yeah. know, I'm not gonna fully bury the kid at this point. Bad start, hostile environment, whatever. It is what it is. Aaron Rodgers had bad starts in preseason. They thought they were gonna cut him after the first two years. So. I'm not writing his obit just yet. But He's, are you are, are you a little concerned the fact that 18 months in that system and he didn't look any better? No, only because it, there was a play in the first half. Granted, I was you know multitasking. I was at work and watching the football game. But there was a drive. It was going into halftime, and Jordan Love goes for the back shoulder throw. But Devontae Adams is trying to go up the sideline to take it deep. Mm-hmm. If Devontae Adams turns around and, and just looks, he's got – Jordan Love has them. They move the sticks. They keep that drive going. It was third down. He misses, you know, whatever. There was a miscommunication on the play. Um, but, it, it, you know, they ended up punting. It is what it is. But I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that concerned. I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Matt LaFleur is a great coach. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I, I get it. It's early in his coaching tenure. One could say is it him as a coach or is it Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback? You guys know about that in New England right now. But the Matt LaFleur has shown to be pretty competent as a head coach at this point. So I, I got some faith uh, with Jordan Love still moving forward. I like if, it's not like he pulled a Nathan Peterman. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't throw <laughs> yeah. five interceptions that, and just gift wrapped him. Like yeah. through, I believe he threw like one pick, basically the same stat line as Mahomes, who really should have had two interceptions yeah. in that game. But neither here nor there. I'm not writing his obit. He didn't pull a Nathan Peterman to, to me. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the five and four Kansas City Chiefs taking on the five and three Las Vegas Raiders. Um, this is a sneaky big game for the AFC West title, right? Um, both these teams are, what, half a game back of the Chargers or one game back of the Chargers. Um, so at the moment, Puma, who do you got winning this game? And and I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes as well, and maybe we should lead off with this. He seems, for me, and, you know, this is a year-long saga now where Patrick Mahomes doesn't seem to be 
all there. And what I mean by that is, I feel like the league has somewhat caught on to what the, the Chiefs are good at. And they've never evolved, especially Patrick Mahomes has never evolved into that next step, right? I mean, I've watched New England and Tom Brady for 20 years. And every three, four years, we would somehow switch up the offense so that nobody could kind of catch up to us, right? I mean, it was getting stale, people trying to figure us out, so we'd switch it up, right? There was the two tight end system and that offense with Gronk and Hernandez. There was the spread them out, go five wide with Randy Moss. There was the one first New England Patriots offense. And it seems that with the Chiefs, they got to a point where the league was catching up to them and they still never evolved. And I find that a little bit on the troubling side because I thought a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes' stature would have been able to figure out how to attack these defenses, right? I mean, we're, we're what, nine, ten weeks into this season and they look even more incompetent than they did week one? Um, I'm a little concerned about Patrick Mahomes and I think he might be injured as well. I don't know if you picked up on this on the game the other night, but did you see him limping on some of those plays? Yeah, he just... looked he looked dinged up. But you weren't your eyes weren't deceiving you. Towards towards the end of that game, he was uh, just kind of hobbling around the field a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially because he you know he does generate plays with his legs, like he mm-hmm. can move the sticks and and uh, you know Jay, just to piggyback off of the 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 Mahomes stuff, like. If you go back, you can pull the receipts to his draft profile when he was just a, a prospect going into the NFL draft that year. The comp on him was actually Jay Cutler. And, mm-hmm. you know, the comp was great arm, will force it into tight windows, cause turnovers, is going to be a gunslinger kind of deal. And we didn't see that the first couple of years of his career because he was doing these backyard plays and no looks, and the NFL wasn't used to that. But now, like you said, Jay, the NFL is starting to figure it out. We're going to play too high safety. We're going to make, we're going to give you everything underneath for you to nickel and dime us like he did against uh, the New York Giants, where essentially Tyree Kill was Wes Walker 2.0 with like 12 receptions, 95 yards, and and, and a touchdown. You know, he started to take the stuff underneath. But now, I mean, he's trying to force the ball over the top mm-hmm. all the time. He's being reckless with the football. I said it on the last segment about the Packers. He got bailed out. He should have had two interceptions. One was called back for a penalty. And then the other one, I believe, Jake, were they both called back for penalties? One was like passing interference. Uh, I think somebody was offsides, if I'm recalling correctly. But one of them was definitely called back on a penalty. He got bailed out big time. Um, but... We're starting to see this. He's not He's not being patient. He's not taking the stuff underneath. He's trying to play hero ball, and these defenses are starting to figure him out. And it's starting to it's starting to trickle down on the sideline. Like, it, we saw it against the Giants where um, Travis Kelsey looked like he wanted to be anywhere but at Arrowhead. And then we saw it last week against the, the Packers when Travis Kelsey starting to get visibly frustrated on the sidelines. And I don't know how much of an onus is on the head coach to like actually draw up some quick, easy completions to get Mahomes in a rhythm. Do we want to start taking heat off of him, start running the football a little bit more? Um, I don't know what Kansas City is going to do, well, but they need to figure it out. <laughs> well, Puma, like, this is the crazy part about this is there are people wide open underneath. Yeah, like, I mean, this Kelsey... He could have had two touchdowns. There was a play against the Packers, and I'll send it to you after we get off the line. You know, he's in his end zone. He's dropping back. It's third down. They need about nine yards to go. Travis Kelsey runs an out route about seven yards. And then Travis Kelsey is pointing 
to Pringle, who's wide open at the sticks. I don't know if you saw his play or not. Mm-hmm. But instead of taking that check down for the first down to Pringle, who's wide open, he launches a 60 yards deep down the field to Tyreek Hill. And I think at the core of who Patrick <clears throat> Mahomes is, he's not a humble guy. You know, I have this issue with him and his family, and I feel like, you know, being around that every single day, I'm sure that seeps into his psyche as well, into what he should be living up to. So it's not cool or sexy to check it down for five, six yards and get the first down and dink and dunk and do a 17-yard drive for a touchdown. But it's fucking cool and great for the brand if I'm bombs away, you know, throwing 60 yards to Tyreek Hill getting touchdowns. And I think that's what his biggest issue is. He's... He's trying to live up to his character of himself, and he's trying to be the GOAT. He's trying to be Tom Brady in year three. And what this dude doesn't understand is it takes years of patience and hard work to get to that level instead of just doing a one big shot with these big throws to Tyreek Hill. Yep, exactly. You know? And this is a, it's a primetime game. Everyone's going to be watching. I think he's starting to feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And to get to the game preview, Jay, I love – and I'm not saying this as a homer. Like, I, the I love the Raiders in this spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week you had the Henry Rugg situation, okay? Yep. Then you had the Damon Arnett fiasco threatening to kill people on like Snapchat. Oh my god! But yeah, I was man. I was thinking about it after right before kickoff. The last two years, the Raiders traveled across country to New York to play either the Jets or the Giants in the one o'clock time frame. That facility has been a house of horrors. Like they 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 lost to the Jets, who at the time two years ago were winless. At that point, uh, they barely held on against the Giants last year, if I recall correctly. And this year, they were clearly the better team, in my opinion. Um, they there was just a couple of bonehead you know play calls. You're down four instead of just going for a touchdown, a fourth down on the seven yard line. We're going to kick a field goal, and naturally Carlson misses the field goal. Uh, Derek Carr, who's been playing great this year, threw a back-breaking interception and then i think there was a fumble on the last drive of the game um so i i love them in this spot i think you know this defensive line of carl nasib and then you have max crosby and yannick Ngakwe starting to look like himself from his old jacksonville jaguars years they're going to wreak havoc on this offensive line they're going to be getting after a possibly injured compromised uh patrick mahomes and we've already established like they're not going to change what they're doing. They're not going to run the football more against a defense that can be beaten on the ground. Um, so I, I think this is an opportunity for a I get middle of the pack ish secondary or pass defense, I should say, for the Raiders. And the the, the defense for Kansas City just has started to gradually show inches of improvement. But against Darren Waller, Deshaun Jackson is going to be in the fold to fill that Henry Ruggs role, which I love that signing, by the way. Just run a straight line, Deshaun, and Derek Carr is going to just take it over the top with you. Uh, I love them in this spot. I love the Raiders right now. They are a two and a half point dog. The over under is 51 and a half. I love the over in this game. They've both averaged about 30 points the last two years. They've played each other. And I, I love the Raiders to win outright at home. Listen, if I'm Derek Carr, I'm attacking Sorensen all day long. Because oh, yes. that dude can't do shit. That dude yep. can't cover. Who does he have pickers on? Like, what's the deal here? Do, does Sorensen and his wife, like, have three-way with, like, Andy Reid and his wife? Like, like I don't understand how he's still on the fucking team, man. Yep. No, he's he's a, we said on the pod last last week, he's the white Jalen Mills. <laughs> it is what it is. He's burnt toast every time. Every time there's a deep play down the field. Death taxes Dan Sorensen getting absolutely nuked. Like, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. And they're not changing anything. Steve Spagnuolo's not really changing anything. Tyron Matthews still bitching about the fans and then having to walk it back the following day. Like, 
this is this whole team's in disarray. The Raiders are in a prime spot to just come back and grab a stranglehold on this division. Yeah, man, this is the most anticipated game for me this weekend, and, and my sister's super excited about it. She's uh, she's uh, she's ready for Sunday night, man. She's like talking about my home. She got the all... spikes on the shoulders ready, you know, Bro, going to she, the black hole. She'll be like, anytime I see her, she'll be like. Yo, Mohan bitch going down Sunday night. I'm like, Mohan right, bitch okay. going down. All right, kill it easy. Back up. All right. I see. I see you rapping the Darren Waller. You pretending like you were the black hole and shit. Love <laughs> well, it. Now, Love well now, well now she has this beanie as well. I bought this beanie for her, uh, like a Raiders one. So she like gets the the jersey on the beanie, and then she becomes like this completely different person. Like she she tries to emulate the Raiders and the black hole and everything. You know. <laughs> the Raiders. Love it. Uh, but I got the Raiders winning as well, and uh, looks like Burge is gonna take the Chiefs to win this game Shocker. and then for Parker um, who obviously has more sense than Burge he's taking the Raiders <laughs> <laughs> love you Burge it's fine it's fine I, I don't love you Burge okay just making that wow. clear I mean I respect you fellow patriot but your crazy takes no bueno <laughs> no bueno <laughs> keeping it real just we do kidding, that on just the kidding, pod we keep it real you know we love you we love you Burge yeah all right, final game of the weekend, uh, Monday Night Football. We've got the 7-2 Rams coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Titans. Who yes. the hell saw that coming this crazy weekend? Against the really bad 3-5 and San Francisco 49ers? I don't understand how that's possible because a certain member of the podcast oh, has a saying that all Jimmy Garoppolo does is win? Is 3-5 and winning? I don't know, Puma, you tell me. Uh, dude, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I know, right? Napalm. Holy I know. Shit. I'm sorry, Bird. I, I just had to get it out, brother, man. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, let's just let's be completely honest. Looking through the body of work of what Jimmy G has done with the 49ers, it is reasonable to say that Super Bowl year has been an outlier because, oh, like, yeah. we can say what we want. Yeah, Jimmy G's been hurt. Like, that's that's kind of the running joke with Jimmy Garoppolo. Is no, Puma, you you, you must be talking about somebody else. No, 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 Puma, that can't be possible. Bill Belichick picked him as the, as the savior and the plan. I think you're crazy. What are you talking about, Puma? My bad, my bad. I, I'm drinking crazy juice over here. But, you know, me taking another hit off of the, the crazy juice pipe, uh, you know, he's been he's been often injured. Look, mm-hmm. I, I will say this as a Carson Wentz fan. He's been kind of Carson Wentz-esque with the injuries mm-hmm. at this yep. point in his career. Um, but, like, this year, like, last year the defense got banged up. We can all agree, like, the defense kind of fell off a cliff. All right, fine. Whatever. I'll give you that. This year, the defense has been relatively healthy. The secondary has been an adventure, but that front seven that this defense has been anchored on, specifically the front four, has really just been kind of average. Jimmy Garoppolo has been average at best as a quarterback. This head coach over the last couple of weeks in, in Kyle Shanahan has made boneheaded decisions. Like, you can look at some of the play calls against the Indianapolis Colts uh, in the monsoon against the uh, against them on Sunday Night Football. And then you saw it last week with, you know, Trey Sermon really wasn't getting a whole lot of work in the running game. I think they ran the ball, what, like 10 times for 34 yards total between two running backs? Like, George Kittle came back, but it really wasn't a, 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 not an, a factor. But then you look on the Rams side, and the guy that you traded, you know, future first round draft picks, and, and Matthew Stafford looked like Jared Goff the, the week yeah. that night. So yeah. 
who knows what's going on? I, I like the Rams in a bounce back yeah. spot, especially with, you know, um, Vaughn Miller coming back. He, let's assume he's going to be active. He sat out last week with an ankle injury. I'm assuming he's going to play this week. Um, but I love the Rams in a bounce back spot. They got embarrassed against the Tennessee Titans team that the whole country thought was just going to turtle up because the main focal point of their offense wasn't there. And Ryan Tannehill really anchored them to a win. He did enough to get a win. The defense really won the day for the Titans. I love the, I love the Rams in this spot. The the San Francisco is a three and a half point underdog. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know how it's three and a half. I think this should probably be closer to five or six in my opinion, just because the secondary for San Francisco is atrocious. I like the Rams to cover the three and a half. The over under is 48 and a half. That seems about right. I'm not going to touch the over under at all, but give me the Rams in this spot. Um, I have no faith in that San Francisco offensive line, especially with them being dinged up. Uh, Aaron Donald is going to be getting back, uh, yeah. back after it. And, you know, who knows me? I'm not wishing ill on people, but like Jimmy G is going to have a very bad day at the office with Vaughn Miller and, and Aaron Donald. And I just, Oh, he's not going to be for the game. No, I just hope he doesn't get dinged up. He's gonna, he's gonna have a hangnail. He's gonna be out by the second quarter, bro. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, listen, I'm, I'm not gonna spend much time on the Rams here because you know I think they were looking forward over the Titans last week because they didn't have Derrick Henry and you know seven and one team that gets beat down by the Titans. I, I think it was a one week anomaly. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on the Rams. I think they're gonna win this game fairly easily. You know Von Miller's gonna make his debut. Aaron Donald's gonna have you know he's gonna be wreaking havoc all day on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think Matthew Stafford's gonna bounce back and those guys are gonna be fine. I want to elaborate some more on, on Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and Trey Lance and whatever is happening there because I'm getting this vibe that obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's not your guy. I mean the guy the guy has like I make the joke that the wind goes the wrong way and he's not playing that there, right? So he can't count on him. But Kyle Shanahan, right now, I didn't realize his record as the head coach of the 49ers is worse than Mike Singletary's record. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's absolutely insane to me. And on top of that, Trey Lance, by now, we thought would have been starting. We're, what, nine, ten weeks in? And Jimmy Garoppolo is playing at a pretty, let's call it a bad level. I don't think he's playing great, you know, like... I don't, he's think he's average, I, don't, I don't think he's playing middle of the ca- pa- middle of the pack. You don't, you don't think you get more production out of Trey Lance than what this dude's putting on the field? Like, why aren't we hearing about how Trey Lance is like pushing Jimmy Garoppolo in the in, in in practices and Trey Lance is getting ready to get on the field? Like, I understand he has injury history, but like, I, I'm concerned about what's happening with Trey Lance. The fact that he's not getting in the field, even with Jimmy Garoppolo playing this bad, because at this point we would have thought that Kyle Shanahan would have <laughs> went over to Trey Lance. Yep. Exactly. I mean, let's be honest. I like, call it knee-jerk reaction, but like, I think someone could make a reasonable argument that maybe Kyle Shanahan is coaching for his job next year. You think so? I think so. I mean, look at the mm. draft picks. Look at the draft picks they gave up for for Trey Lance, who hasn't really seen the field, and everyone said, oh, well, he's a developmental project. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're a developmental project, I'm not trading that King's Ransom Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. For, to have you sit on the bench. At, at that point, you might as well roll the dice with the safe pick from Alabama and have him be your Jimmy G 1.2. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Shanahan is definitely in a world of trouble, man, and I think a win against the Rams would do wonders for him. But I just, I just don't see it. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. I think, I think the only for me as a Patriots fan, the only positive of taking Mac Jones is that we don't have to hear about this Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to New England bullshit ever again. Like mm-hmm. I saw it from day one. I, I don't know why people, you know, I, I get so much hate for saying, you know, from day one this guy's soft. 
And Martellus Bennett said it himself. Like, uh, he, he went on, was it a podcast and said you can't win with the bitch for a quarterback and when he was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, those that's are a direct piercing, quote, people. That's, that's a, a direct, direct quote. That's a direct quote. And those are piercing words of a guy in the locker room with you. And I think I'm sure the guys in the 49ers locker room don't respect him as well because the guy, I mean, he pulls a calf and he's out for like three weeks. I mean, I, I just I just don't get it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, getting you uh, Burgess pick uh, looks like he went with the Rams for this game. Uh, looks like he uh, he made, made the right pick there. And then for Parker's pick, uh, Parker took 49ers. And with Parker being hot, he might know something we don't. Well, I think so. I should have listened to him last week because uh, it's a pretty bad week. So yeah. Speaking of which, are you okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm checking <coughs> yeah, on yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. See, CJ, I'm I'm good. I'm not one of those guys that's like. I'm gonna I'm gonna like take it out on everybody that I had a bad betting week. Like whatever, it is what it is. We're gonna regroup, recalibrate. We're gonna get yeah. back into the lab, and we're we're like hopefully it. gonna we're gonna hit some bets this week. And thank God the Bears covered last night. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. that's the first step in the path to redemption at this point. But uh, you know, moving moving to the the betting segment, I don't have a whole lot of bets this weekend. Oh. What? Um, you know, it might change as we get closer, just given some of the injury stuff. I was going to jump on the Browns, but, you know, right now with Nick Chubb up in the air, granted, like, he's not going to move the line a whole lot. But if for some reason, like, the Browns ended up being a three-point underdog, I would smash the Browns at a point and a half. I, I'm really going to wait and see if that line moves a little bit more. But right now, my bets uh, for Week 10 as of recording on November 9th, I got the Raiders. I got them, luckily, I got them as a a three-point underdog at home. So I got the Raiders three-point dog against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm also betting the over in the Chiefs uh, Raiders game at 51 and a half. Uh, Like I said in the breakdown, both teams averaged about 30 points, uh, you know, each time they played each other the last couple of years. So I think the 51 and a half is going to go over easily. Uh, and then I got a teaser going. So the Minnesota Vikings, they are playing the Los Angeles Chargers. They were two and a half point dogs and the Baltimore Ravens. They're playing Thursday night uh, against my lowly Miami Dolphins. And uh, I did a six point teaser. So I teased the Baltimore Ravens down from seven and a half to a point and a half. And I teased the Minnesota Vikings up from two and a half up to uh, eight and a half. So I think the the Vikings are going to run the football a lot. Whether or not Dalvin Cook is going to be there, because news broke while we were recording that uh, there was he's claiming that he was the victim of a domestic uh, domestic issue and uh, some allegations of I believe like blackmail of some wow. sort. Yeah, um, so. Uh, that's kind of a, a new development going on in Vikings camp, but even Dalvin Cook is an all-world running back, but I, I, I do have faith in uh, Alexander Madison filling that role if Cook can't go for reasons of off the field or injury or otherwise. Um, so I think they're just going to run the football. We haven't seen the Chargers stop the run at all this year. Um, so I think they, you know, Mike Zimmer being the dinosaur head coach that he is, is just going to w- want to run the ball 55 times. And then the Baltimore Ravens, um, it, it's going to be open season on the Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa is going to be a game time decision again with the fractured finger. If he didn't start on Sunday, why would you start him on a short week to begin with? Uh, if Jacoby Brissett's going to be quarterbacking, he's a statue that holds on the football too long. This defense is going to be teeing off on him. I like Baltimore to win, uh, but I tease him down from seven and a half to one and a half. Vikings up 
from two and a half to eight and a half point dogs. Well, now Puma, like, didn't you, uh, let's give the people a little bit of some college betting advice as well. I see you're kind of venturing your way into some college bets and you seem to be uh, big on Ole Miss this weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So starting to dabble my toe a little bit into college football. Finally, it's um, happened, people. It's happening. So, Puma's dipping his toe into college football. So I'm going into old, you know, Ole Miss. It's a huge game against Texas A&M, and you know, before the fandom police breaks into the podcast, I oh, like God. A&M and I Chair like Ole Miss. Like I, 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 do, I love Texas A&M and their tradition, and I love Ole Miss with the Grove and and whatnot. And you know, call Hot me a sucker. Call me a sucker for the uniforms. I think the red and blue is just a great freaking matchup for for the uniforms here. But the uh, Ole Miss. Primetime game, college game day is going to be down there this weekend uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. And Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point underdog against AM. AM played Auburn last week. Moving the ball was kind of an adventure. It wasn't a high-scoring game. Uh, Ole Miss as a quarterback, uh, Matt Coral, if I recall the name correctly, is the potential you know, a top quarterback prospect in this upcoming draft class. Uh, and they handled their business against Liberty, who was, you know, anchored by a quarterback that's also uh, a high uh, quarterback prospect in uh, Mal- Malik. What's his last name, Jay? Mal- what's Malik's last Malik, name? Uh, Malik Williams? Is that his name? Malik Williams. I think it, I believe it's that. But Willis, I mean, he Willis, was ba- Willis, Willis. Willis. Malik Willis. He was balling yeah. out, moving the chains. It was a great game. Uh, but I do like Old Miss in this spot. I think they're going to be able to put up points. Uh, so I'm taking the two and a half points for Ole Miss as a home dog against Texas A&M. Look at that. Puma doing some college football betting. Now we just need, uh, you know, Burge to pick a college team. Yeah, Burge is on the bandwagon, man. There's a lot of good ones out there. You know, just don't sell out and be like, you know, some people up in New England that just, you know, blindly pick Notre Dame. People in New England pick Notre Dame? I mean, it's a Catholic part of the country. Oh, right? you know yeah, yeah, Fighting Irish, Boston Irish people. Oh, you know what I'm that saying? makes a lot of sense. Okay. That's pretty yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what do they know, right? I'm yeah, gonna... <laughs> New Rockney ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah. Let's just not... be honest. <laughs> yeah, best of luck with... Uh... Best of luck with picking uh, picking those guys. And I, my apologies here. It looks like the college football playoffs has... Uh has given their weekly update on who is the, the top four teams in the country. Looks like Georgia's coming at number one. Um, Ohio State at number four. I don't know what the number two and number three is just yet. I'm just kind of parsing through Twitter as we speak to figure out what the top four teams are. Oh, it looks like number one, uh, number one Georgia, number two Alabama, number three Oregon, and Ohio State at number four. So that's, uh, that's what the current college football playoff uh, picture looks like. Huh. Which would be number one versus number one Georgia versus uh, number four Ohio State, which would be an insane matchup, and then number two Alabama against Oregon, which would be a bloodbath because Oregon is so overrated. I, I think if you had that number two Alabama versus number three Ohio State, that would be a great uh, opening uh, weekend uh, playoff game for college football. Right. So because Alabama is weak this year, and we gotta give them payback from last year. For sure. Can someone explain to me what's why Cincinnati ain't getting love? Isn't aren't they like number two in the country yeah, of the AP? Yeah, but Cincinnati plays in the uh, was it the Big East? Or what, oh yeah, you gotta you gotta get the cashish. Yeah, dude, dude, like if they like if Cincinnati played like Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, dude, it would be ninety five zero. I'm not even joking. Like it, it's so bad. Like this is this is who they've played so far. They've played teams like hold up, let me pull this up. 
All right, so they played Austin P to start off the season. Oh, never mind. I'll take it back. i take it back. They, start, they, they started playing out Miami of Ohio, Murray State, Indiana, which is a Big Ten school. I get that. They beat Notre Dame. That's their big win of the year. And then they go back to Temple and UCF and Navy and Tulane. Like, you know, this isn't an SEC schedule or playing a, a LSU, Georgia, Alabama on a weekly basis or even an Ohio or even a Big Ten um, schedule where you're paying Ohio State, Penn State, and, you know, Michigan, Michigan State. So Cincinnati, it's a great story right now. And, you know, because they're undefeated, they're, they're that high up. But I'll be real with you, man. Like, they would get smoked. <laughs> Don't worry. Old Miss is going to crawl their way up to number four. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy, baby. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Listen, man, that's all I've got for the podcast. We're like, what, like 71 minutes in? Um, oh, it works for me. I got to I gotta grab some food before I pass out. So, let's plug this up. I, I, Jay, you don't understand. I was doing like 95 on my way home so I, I could fire up the computer and get this shit ready because I got stuck at, stuck at work for a little bit. But have no fear. We made it. We survived. No technical issues. And this episode of the podcast, the big 101, can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Be sure to hit that little subscribe button, that little bell-looking thing in the bottom right-hand corner of the video on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review. Helps with the algorithm of some sort out in Palo Alto, and we'll probably get canceled because we talked bad stuff about Aaron Rodgers by the Aaron Rodgers defenders, but whatever. (laughs) Have no fear. We'll still be here. Be sure to like, subscribe, download, share with everybody, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, the Twitter machine, at uh, PFR Podcast, uh, Brando underscore Puma on the Twitter machine, Jay Chima is at Jay Chima, our senior contributor, senior NFL analyst, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine at Burge, B-U-R-G-E, the goalie. Uh, be sure to follow him. Uh, I'm sure after he listens to this podcast, he's going to be taken to the Twitter streets trying to go after the captain of the ship, Jay Chima, about his comments on Jimmy G and whatnot. So definitely come at me, Burge. Come at me. Bring the shank. Bring the shank. But there it is. Social media, podcast platforms, everything. Like, subscribe, download, share. And uh, we got another wild weekend in store and can't wait to talk about it again on Tuesday next week. Yep, yep. Uh, quick uh, last second update. Uh, your Ole Miss boys are at 15 in the latest college football playoff rankings. Ooh. And your other boys, Texas A&M, are ranked 11. So that should be a massive game um, on Saturday for you between uh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. And, you know, I know you're new to college football, but Puma, it's tradition that you've got to get up. You've got to watch a little bit of college uh, game day. But you must tune in at 11.50 so that you can watch the picks with Lee Corso. Now, he's not Lee Corso of old. He's, you know, obviously definitely getting up there in age, and he's having some issues getting his words out there, but any college football fan knows at 11.50, you tune on to ESPN so that he can kick off the college football viewing day for you. So I might have to listen to that in my truck because I'm driving down to South Carolina to see the folks, and I'm leaving Saturday. So I think on SiriusXM they have like a, 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 a twin feed for whatever's on the main ESPN. So I'll be sure to listen to that on my truck ride. There you go. There you go. All right, well, fellas, uh, but that's all I got. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, Condios!